I was a little apprehensive when Reverend Young asked if I can share my faith journey, but now I'm very glad for this opportunity. I probably hyped the subway too much just joking around, so please take a moment to lower your expectations. Okay, um, first a little background about myself. I was born in Seoul, Korea about 10 years after the start of the Korean War, first of two children. My dad graduated from the Korean Naval Academy and served in the Navy during the Korean War, then earned degrees in chemical engineering. My mom was quite the trailblazer, firstborn of eight children. Most of her siblings were male, and she was in major competition with the second-born younger brother for her parents and extended family's affections, which hinged a lot on academic achievement. It didn't help to be female. At one point, my grandfather informed my mom that she would have to forego a college education since there were six boys in the family who needed their college degrees. My mother took after her father. She was born to be a scholar, and what my grandfather told her was pretty devastating, and she ran off crying inconsolably. When my grandmother, the actual CEO of the household, found out, She demanded of my grandfather good reason for discouraging their daughter, who was incredibly diligent, bright, and ambitious from pursuing college studies. And that was that. My mother graduated at the top of her class in an elite women's university and went on to medical school, wrapping up her studies in the midst of the Korean War. The research appointment she got at Indiana University in Bloomington although she didn't intend it that way, eventually resulted in a permanent transition to the U.S. for the whole family. Along the way, my father spent a year in Europe as an engineer ambassador. My brother and I were left in Korea for years, being raised by the grandparents. When I think of what my parents had to endure, I'm in awe of my parents' fortitude and character. And what a transition. In Korea, everything was based on family, coming and going. And the early years in America were extremely isolated by comparison. One of the recollections of my seven years growing up in South Korea was Ancestor Remembrance Day, honoring and paying homage to family members that had passed away. Church attendance was rare for us. We were more likely to visit a Buddhist temple. My parents were not particularly religious, although there were Christians on my father's side of the family. My mother was by all indications an atheist. She eschewed faith, prayer, and any dependence on a higher power. She believed that the individual is equipped with everything necessary to overcome and thrive. And thrive she did, becoming a young, popular assistant professor at Ihua Medical School. Once I asked my mother about death and was totally blown away when she said that when someone dies, that's it, all over. The finality of that hit me hard, and I may not have processed it fully, but I had other worries as a young girl. I prayed to God fervently that Mao Zedong and his fellow communists in North Korea would not invade South Korea again. This was my greatest concern, aside from death, 
and lack of harmony in the home. Possibility of another invasion by the North Koreans. It was in the late 60s when my mom and dad left Korea to pursue their careers in separate parts of the world, leaving me and my two-month-old brother with the grandparents and rowdy uncles and aunts on my mother's side of the family. Although I miss my parents, there was much laughter, love, and joy, and I was happy and reasonably well-adjusted child who thrived in school. My father and I immigrated to the U.S. in 1969 when I was seven. I'd been happy in Korea, but wasn't very happy to now be away from everything familiar. I felt alone and isolated at home, and our family life felt chaotic. My parents were very different. My father loved music, opera, and the fine arts. He became an accomplished operatic tenor and wowed all of us with his renditions from Rigoletto, La Boheme, and so on. My mother was a Martha. She did pretty much everything. She upholstered furniture, cooked delicious meals, uh, tended to the garden, entertained guests regularly, counseled her medical school students, and still moved forward in her career. But there was constant strife in their marriage, which was exacerbated by my father's bipolar disorder. That was diagnosed years later. We just thought he was charming and wonderful, then alarmingly strange and cruel. I loved him, but really hated him at times. There's quite a lot of talk these days about mental health, but it wasn't something we were talking about then. As I think back on those years, God was a vague concept for me. But after moving to the Chicago suburbs of Lake Zurich, my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Miller, who I liked very much, introduced me to C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, and the Moody Bible Institute, and accepting Jesus as my personal Savior. This was the first time I was introduced to the idea of being saved through the blood of Christ. It was very foreign to me. I enrolled in the Institute's Bible Study Mail Correspondence Program and was going through it pretty quickly. Then I hit a wall. I found myself confused and afraid on the topic of salvation and Jesus returning to vanquish the sinful, those who weren't able to accept Jesus as their Savior. I thought about my mother especially and asked her to please believe in Jesus. I still remember her answering, no, I don't. And my tearful plea, but if you don't, you won't be saved. You will go to hell. And to which she responded nonchalantly, then I will go to hell. I remember being beside myself with fear and desperation. You can imagine that I was not finding joy and peace in my walk with God. As my thoughts and energies were focused on getting my loved ones to accept Jesus as their Savior so they won't perish in a lake of fire. And I was ever fearful of Jesus' second coming. In one of my dreams, he returned, and I wasn't among the saved. So, in my adolescent years, I began to question everything, and resentment against my parents were manifesting in unpleasant exchanges, arguments, and tears. This was the beginning of the dark years, as I like to (laughs) remember. 
And on the top of, topic of faith, I still had many lingering questions, such as, what happens to children who die in infancy? Korea has had a history of over 5,000 years, and Christianity was introduced relatively recently, perhaps in the 1800s. Are my ancestors in hell because they didn't know Jesus? And others, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Native Americans, all those who lived fruitful lives and died without knowing about Christian theology, how does God reconcile their faiths? Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell the mountain to move and it will be done. I prayed fervently for my father's mental health and for stability in my family. And the situation seemed to become worse over time. Why didn't God answer my prayers? I've learned that life is complicated. I've seen non-believers and outright atheists be almost Christ-like. I can put my grandfather, who was Buddhist, then converted to Christianity shortly after immigrating to the U.S., in this category. Maybe it's because of the Confucian background and some parallel philosophy there. My mom impressed on me that we don't need to worship a deity to understand what is right and wrong and to have a full life. She gave me an appreciation for the enlightened thinking and writing of great philosophers. We should be broad-minded in how we think about the world, other culture, other cultures and our place in it. And as I was navigating through physical changes in my youth, I became painfully aware of my race and culture and how different we were from the mostly Anglo-Saxon and Jewish folks who were my classmates and neighbors. As a young girl in grade school, I was able to shrug off the frequent stares and even laugh along with the kids who teased about the shape of our eyes and faces. But in junior high and high school, more than ever, I felt self-conscious when we visited an American church, or walked into a restaurant. And my tolerance level when someone commented that I seemed to speak English well, it had become annoying, not a compliment. So I became an angry Asian-American adolescent, growing angrier as time went on, angry that we were different, angry that I didn't have a good comeback line when bullied or made fun of, Angry that my mother was so well regarded by others and seemed to have time for everyone except me. I was angry at God that I was born into the Kim family and that we left a perfectly good situation at home, except for the threat of the North Korean invasion, for a big country where families lived far away from one another and always telephoned before visiting. I felt I would have been much happier living with my grandparents among close-knit family and friends who dropped by whenever and among people who looked and thought like me. And to make matters worse, my, my father commented about how much bigger I seemed compared to other girls during gymnastics class. This comment and others triggered a years-long descent into Extreme worry about my weight and eating habits, also known as eating disorder. When I was a senior in high school, a husband of my mother's colleague uprooted my faith in Christianity. He stated that Christianity was borrowed from the Greek philosophers 
and that what really mattered was mankind's ability to evolve and create a better future for our children. He cited Marx's statement about religion being the opiate of the masses. And after the guests left, I was convinced there was no God. Mankind was able to evolve from cluster of amino acids coming together, forming proteins, and it was all through the natural cosmic order. I was actually relieved. I didn't have to feel guilty and sinful because I didn't fit into the mold of what I regarded as a good Christian. I felt liberated and set out to focus on getting a good education and finding my way in the world without God and religion. But it wasn't long after this decision, feeling anxious about starting college, that I was invited to a church retreat by my grandparents. I basked in the unconditional love of my grandparents and my aunt. They seemed to understand that beneath the anger and resentment, deep down was a young woman lacking in confidence and longing for God and to find her place in the world. My grandfather was quietly praying for me. He had converted to Christianity when he immigrated to the U.S. and set an example of serving God and doing good. He had most of his life been a model human being and citizen. And it seems to me, looking back, that God had called him. At the retreat, I saw people singing, praising, praying, and seeming joyful and at peace. And I wanted what they had, peace of God that comes through faith. When I came home from the retreat, I was overcome with how frail, human, and sinful I was. How could an angry, resentful, wicked person like me abide in God and become like Christ? I despaired that night and spent the next years wrestling with faith, wrestling to overcome my eating disorder, riddled with guilt and shame. I will tell you that guilt and shame doesn't do much for the faith walk. But the great I am, the all-powerful source of all things good and beautiful, seemed to have a plan for me. Because despite the shame and guilt, I was still surrounded by caring classmates and friends who brought me to God. The Asian Christian Fellowship, InterVarsity, the Chinese Presbyterian Church in Chicago, Chinatown. And eventually, I found myself attracted to this cool graduate student in physical chemistry. And physical chemistry was a course that I happened to take as an undergraduate, which derailed any dreams of a career in medicine. He wore thick glasses and had the usual scruffy grad student look, flannel shirt over a T-shirt and haircut about seven months ago. It turned out that he was the youngest of four sons of a Lutheran minister. Even though I felt my faith journey was out of fuel, Either I was subconsciously leaning in God's direction or God was leaning over to me. Mark's gentle father, a prince of a man, married us at a beautiful church in Clarendon Hills, Illinois, on August 1st, the hottest day of the year. And he remained standing, 
under his heavy robe. In the intervening years, I entered graduate school twice. The second time, I earned a master's in public health, highly motivated with no coursework interruption at the birth of our second child. I've worked in biotech, community service and development, management of health services, from startup to to big companies, nonprofits, and for-profits. More than a dozen organizations. And I've been a part of some truly amazing Christian fellowship and service opportunities along the way. Skipping a bit, 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 here we are in the present day. We are blessed with two daughters endowed with very different personalities and talents. Having the miracle of life forming in the womb without any instruction provided by me is testament to an intelligence and power beyond comprehension. The years have taught me to wait on the Lord. I obsess less about things I cannot control. I still have my arch-conservative and flaming liberal moments, but the trend has been to the left. I recall that in times of turmoil and confusion, where I had nowhere else to turn, there was always a quiet voice assuring me that I'm not alone. My elderly parents are getting along as if they're best friends. God has finally answered my prayers. My earlier fear and anxiety about God and the second coming has been replaced with wonder and awe at his creation and awe and admiration for Jesus, radical, courageous, human, and divine. Jesus' message is to love God with all our heart, soul, and might and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. My faith journey for the rest of my life will be focused on these two commandments, including loving myself. And I still have questions about theology and the multitude of religious faiths and traditions, but I trust that God is just and loving, and we will get good answers to all those tricky questions eventually. He looks at our heart, and that was the message of Jesus. Luke chapter 11 verse 9 assures me that if I continue to seek God and his will, the door will be opened and I will find the answers. And I intend to not only abide, but delight myself in the Lord and he will give me the desires of my heart.